Louis Erickson has agreed to a six-year deal with Vancouver Canucks. Yo, what up, sports fans? It's me, Aaron Warner, uh, my co-host, Stefan Heck. This is a podcast about the Vancouver Canucks. Stefan, you ever try anal sex? <laughs> That's what we're leading off with? Yeah, well, it's the off-season, right? And That's true. We have to talk about something I else. haven't personally been listening to a lot of Stern, but okay. Alex and Michael from my other show have, and they keep bringing up Stern stuff. And yeah, because so he'll could, he'll start he'll start talking. He'll yeah, be like, "Hey, you ever yeah. get fucked in the ass or whatever?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, ever, you, ever, you ever see your wife in a thong? Like we that should, type we of should stuff. get a we should get a show Sibian, <laughs> and we can kind of mail it between. Well, you'll be living in Vancouver soon enough. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, I think I think having a Sibian would be good, maybe for the guest. Yeah, we'll exactly. Get Jesse, we'll get Jesse on and make him sit on a Sibian for the entire episode. I was I was I was laughing to myself about having a hockey guest on and then starting with that. Like, you ever see your wife in a thong? <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest chick you ever been with? Yeah, you were saying we we get like a legitimate like hockey writer or media guy on or something, and mm-hmm. then we just talk about like the foodie federation. Oh, the there whole is time. big foodie federation drama. I, I this was going to say so. So outlaw is out of the food. Is the foodie federation just dead? The foodie federation has disbanded. That so is crazy because they've been around for a, quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Anyone that doesn't know, Foodie Federation is a. Uh, if you're a normal, you don't know. By uh, the way, they're so. a, they're a guild of YouTube food reviewers who like sit in their car and eat sandwiches or whatever, wipe their face with nap not napkins with like receipts their and shit. Sleeve. Yeah. yeah. So it was founded by Outlaws Generation. Yeah. Big big enemy of our friend Tom and <laughs> Joey's World Tour. And I think the idea was just to like get a bunch of YouTube food reviewers to like collaborate with each other. And their, their collabs are really stupid because it'll be like, we're reviewing like the, the new Baconator or whatever the fuck. And it'd be like, I film my own one. I'm like, I'm collaborating. They they never film together. Yeah. I'm collaborating with Stefan. Uh, Check out his channel. Link to the description over here. Yeah. Cause Joey's not in the, Joey left pretty early on. I feel like. No, he's still there. Oh, is he actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, he was still I, an official member. Because Joey will do a thing, and I, I guess this is exactly what you described. Yeah, where he'll be like, "I'm doing a collab with with Outlaw or with Ken Domic or whoever." Yep. And it's not actually like he doesn't understand what a collaboration. There's, there's is. no collab. At most, you'll get a silenced clip of this other person yes. eating a chicken sandwich in their car, and he'll like link he's like, their channel. Yeah, like, link to their it. channel. Yeah. And then the thing is, like, they'll just review the same sandwich they're reviewing in that video. So yeah. it's like. They're not a collab because there's no actual back and forth between them. So a bunch of people in the Foodie Federation. It was, um, yeah, Joey, Outlaw. Freddie Foodie King. Freddie Foodie King was there. Gary 20O. Yeah. um, Oh, Gary 20O is, oh man, that guy's really something. He's he's one of the, he's actually one of the cooler ones. Uh, Oh, okay. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, I got time for Gary 20O. Okay. Uh, there's okay. Chuck's food reviews is like the really gross guy who farts and belches all the time in his videos. And like, oh. that's kind of his bit is he's like the farting stinky guy. He's not the bus driver though, who got, 
uh, with the with like the toe fungus or whatever no, that was too no, stinky no, no, to no. be a bus yeah, driver. That guy doesn't even review food. He just he that's uh, Scotty Allen Day. He sits in okay, his yeah. his car and talks <laughs> like this. Good. So he got he was becoming like a truck driver and he went to truck driving school and his feet stunk too much. So like the guy that he was staying in a hotel room with, which was like a part of this driving school, I uh, was like, I can't fucking live with this guy anymore. He's got to like clean his feet. That's and, so funny. Or that's, maybe I mean, he couldn't share a truck with him or something. Yeah. And so that he got kicked out of the driving school because his feet stunk too much. And he oh asked if God. he could be put into a truck with like a, a, a smoker's truck. Or um, oh. he said he could wrap a, a, a towel on his feet, I think, or put talcum powder on it. Jesus But no, Christ. they kicked him out. He also got, um, <laughs> he used to be a roadie for Twisted Sister and Dee Snyder personally fired him for being too drunk. Um, <laughs> yeah I mean, holy shit <laughs> anyways scotty rocks but no the foodie federation back to the real real meat and potatoes of this discussion yeah they um recently brought in this guy called robbie p2 vlogs or pick rob now okay. he's a he's a big fat moron and yeah. he's been like trolled by these teens on youtube forever and they did like a uh, to catch a predator thing with them where they're like yep. pretending that like there were some like teenage girl and was like fucking, you know, getting him to say nasty shit to him. And like, Hey, you don't matter. You don't care that I'm, I'm young. He's like, Oh no, I don't. Right. <laughs> and so this, this guy's like a, a pedophile in the foodie federation. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> so anyways, pick Rob, he was like newer to the foodie federation and he's like trying to make decisions for them. And I should add, they have a Foodie Federation YouTube channel that's uploaded once in the last year and a half. It's not yeah. like it's a super active thing. But I guess Pickerob wanted to start becoming the leader. And okay. as you kind of mentioned, Joey's World Tour doesn't do a whole lot for the Foodie Federation anymore. Yeah. Right? It is not really shouting him out. So he was trying to push out Joey. Okay. And that's. Man, Joey's like a he's like a big deal. Though, exactly. You know? Yeah, these guys. He was trying to big time Joey, who's like the only actual successful YouTuber of the of the lot. And so yeah. Gary Twenty O and Freddie Foodie King were like, "Oh hell nah!" Like Joey's our boy. He's been there from the beginning. You're just some new guy. Um, him being a pedophile didn't really factor into it, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyways, they they came out and there's like this big fight. And, Mike Outlaw, uh, Deadly Outlaw, he did a yeah. he did a live stream talking about it where the whole chat was like, yeah, and Pick Rob's a pedophile. Here's what he did. And Outlaw like defended him by saying, oh. well, it wasn't an actual girl. It was just a decoy. Oh, my God. And, Outlaw is just. Well, Outlaw, I saw, Outlaw stands uh, for Pick Rob because Pick Rob's given him like $5 donations in his YouTube stream like right. a half dozen yeah. times. So he can do no, wrong, no wrongs. He's given him like $22. Oh, Jesus Christ. I saw a video, just a brief clip on Twitter yesterday of Outlaw eating pizza, and he's eating it in a way I've never seen anyone eat it before, where he just tilts his head back and like stuffs it down his throat. Oh, God. He's so nasty. I'll, I'll see if... Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to link the video for you because it's like... It's really... It's fucking crazy. Uh, um, Alex. But also also our, our friend, uh, uh, my friend Greg, we, Weed Guy 420 Boner, yeah. pointed out that um, it, it looks like when, um, I think it's on the Frank Grimes episode of The Simpsons where uh, they're, they're talking about how Homer eats. 
Right. And he's like, no, he, he doesn't, he doesn't chew or swallow. He kind of just eats like a duck. And then it, it cuts to him um, shoving a donut down his throat in like a really insane way. And this is exactly how outlaws eating. I'm going to link you the, the video right now. It's, it's crazy. I just, I've just never seen anyone eat like this. He's eating like a dog, like, and just the look on his face. <laughs> Shit. Uh... I'm obsessed with it. It's like a four second clip. I'll just okay. I'll take a screen grab of it because oh the screen grab. Oh my god! Like, Why? <laughs> Stop it! Knock it off! God damn! Isn't this so good? Okay. <laughs> All oh, right, that, that's good. There's gonna be a lot of outlaw and foodie federation content um, in the well, summer. Okay, by the so way, there, in the off season, there's this other piece of outlaw content that's kind of broken my brain. We talked about it on yeah. the last WFYM, but Alex Lonafchin found. I think it was a part of this. Oh right, because the foodie federation disbanded, right? Yes. And he was doing a stream about it. And he was like, maybe we bring back the, I forget what it was, but I guess when Outlaw was in his early 20s, he had a forum that he moderated, which was like an anime forum. Is that the one where he was like talking about like wanting to become. Get turned into a baby. No, I think those were old. Yeah. Like for any of our hockey listeners, Outlaw, he's a, he's a little freak and he. There's the home. Like when he was in his thing, early twenties, he was he was on forums asking for spells that could turn him into like a, a baby. Um he, he denies the baby spells and says uh Tom created that, but like we, we got the receipts. <laughs> but no, it's just oh. this anime forum, and there's this thread where he's talking about going on a summer vacation with his parents. And he's 23, by the way. Uh, the other thing about this forum is and Stefan and I met on forums. Remember being younger on them? being like 14, 15, 16, and you're talking yeah. to like these cool 21, 22 year olds. Yes. And you're like, oh man, this is so sick. And then you think back on it. It was like, man, when I was 22, I had no desire to talk to like a 14 year old online about hockey. For sure. Yeah. Um, so those guys are all the biggest losers in the world. But uh, <laughs> so Outlaw here is the loser. And so, okay. My parents have treated me like a kid on this vacation telling me, Oh, you got to go to bed at 9 p.m. And I said, I'd rather play my games I got for Christmas. And my dad said, and this is in July. Um, he's, and he's 23. And he's 23. He's 23 years old. Yeah. My dad says. To say should... the, the games I got for Christmas in July is so funny. <laughs> yeah. My dad says you should quit playing those games or it will ruin your life. LOL. I did tell my dad, though, hey, they never had video games in your days. And he just got so pissed and said, you kid and went to sleep. LOL. When I went to my dad's friend's house, they gave my mom and dad some, he spells it margaritas with an E. Okay. Um, I, right. I don't know if I spelled that right. And I asked if I could have one and my dad's friend said, no, but how about a root beer? <laughs> they totally treated me like a kid. I did have fun in Jackpot, Nevada though. I went, I I won $72 on a Saturday on a double diamond deluxe machine. I got two <sighs> double diamonds and a three bar. It was cool. I played about two days ago and won about forty dollars in nickels on LOL the same machine, but this time I got a cherry. Man, <laughs> it reads like oh. a fucking fourth grader's description of their summer yeah. vacation. It's so cool. Oh boy, he yeah. I mean, he is uh, the reason we don't watch him. I mean, he's kind of your guys' thing on FYM, but also like we don't watch him on the Golf Kings because I don't want him to like know about us I, at all either. So, uh. Well, another thing is he since he's been be, trying to be a voice actor since this yes. the, this came out and these th- that post was like from 2005 and he's talking about like taking voice acting lessons and he's going to be famous and that's why he 
hates Tom so much is Tom says you're you're never going to be famous, and he's like in his forties now, right? Yeah. Um. So, what am I even talking about? Fucking outlaw for here. Uh. Oh yeah, not watching him. So he has these really bad voice acting clips uh, where there's. He's trying he has to like a voice acting YouTube channel. Yeah, like yeah, my, separate Mike Mike Burton uh, voice actor, but yeah. uh, he's trying to do Family Guy, and his Family Guy is like, "Oh God, hey dude. Lois, get me a fucking beer." And then yeah. Lois is like, "Fuck you, Peter. Fuck you, Peter. Yeah. You son of a bitch." And then he just says, "I don't know where Stewie Griffin." That's I. I will say <laughs> I probably watched that video at least two or three times a week. And, yeah, but we, and I'll be on a call. I'll be on a stream with Jesse and one of us will just say Stuart Griffin. Yeah. Like, so the way we, he says it like, you know, I've, DB has that clip as well. And like DB plays Fortnite with us every Friday. And so we've definitely poisoned him with a lot of like our freak memes that we like repeat, like yeah. the, the Stewie Griffin thing. And he actually played the, the Stewie Griffin clip on an episode of YKS. And <laughs> On a stream when we were watching it, because uh, Outlaw will like watch our streams and like find himself and then like comment it on his live stream yeah. that he starts at one thirty in the morning Pacific. Um, yeah, and <laughs> I was, like shouted out the exact episode and was like, "Yeah, Jesse Farrar and Mike Hale from YKS Podcast on oh, episode whatever." And like I, ti- no. I tried to timestamp it as best I could, and nothing happened. I was so upset. I wanted to get fucking Outlaw and Jesse and TV's case. Oh my God. Can you send me the clip of that though? Cause I need to send that. I, I'm going to use that to just drive Jesse. Absolutely insane. Yeah. I'll have to if, find if, it. it was from early January somewhere. Okay. That's so good. Oh my God. All By right. the way, Vancouver I, I, fini- Canucks. I, I finished Puck Doku. Oh, nice. I got, I got some fucking good ones here. Okay. Puck I got, Doku's immaculate grid for hockey. If anyone hasn't yes. played it yet. And, and we were all obsessed with it in our discord. We have a channel for it now. Um, obviously the goal is to get, if you don't know, it's like, um, there's, there's nine, uh, boxes in this grid so three by three and on each axis there's like team logos or it'll say like won the calder trophy or scored 50 goals in a season or something and you have to find a player that matches both of those uh logos or descriptions on on the axis yeah. there right so you'll have oilers in calgary or oilers in boston or oilers in pittsburgh and you have to find a player who played for both teams and part of the fun of it is finding players who no one else is picking because it shows you a percentage of how many other people picked those players. And I did finally manage to get a 0.1% just now. Nice. Who was it? For, for Boston and Edmonton, Brad Isbister, Canucks legend. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah. Because I, I very, forgot about very him happy in Boston. I think about him in and the Vancouver Islanders. and Islanders. Yeah. yeah. And then Edmonton and Boston. I think there was maybe one more team in there as well. Um and then for Philly Pittsburgh, because you were you were struggling yeah, with a low one percentage one. How about this? I think he only played one season in Pittsburgh, but Steve Downey. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, I'm, I'm stealing this is, it. This is it, yeah. This is basically remembering some guys the game, and it's so much fun. I'm I'm obsessed with it. It's really really good. Um, and yeah, the goal the goal is to get all the correct players and stuff, but. The real goal is to get as low of a percentage as possible. And I think the idea is it shows the uniqueness score. And I think the lower the uniqueness score is, the better. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So I got a uniqueness score of 39 on that. Nice. Oh, God. Which yeah, is... mine was 154. Like, what was fucking me up about Philly and Pittsburgh is I already had used uh, Mark Recchi, Yager, and... Um, 
James Neal on other grids. Yeah. So the, the one I was thinking of was John LeClaire. Oh, um, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure he played for Pittsburgh as well. Um, actually, wait, did he? I think I like, I kind of want to. Mark, you said Mark Recchi already. Right? Yeah. 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 He did play for Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay. No, I kind of want to know life like backup goalies and enforcers yeah. because they've played for the most amount for of sure. teams. But it's yeah. hard. Like you go and I was, I was trying to do it yesterday, but like, Ask me all the teams that Fred Brathwaite played for besides St. Louis. And I like Calgary. I can't remember. Exactly. He played for Calgary. I do. do I, did he play for Columbus? Let's see here. Fred Brathwaite. I, mean, I just, I really want like the Canucks Pittsburgh to come up again. So I can be like Yuri Slegger. He did play for Columbus. He did play for Columbus. Right. Um, he, uh, the thing I remember about him is he had one of the craziest saves I've ever seen when he was with Calgary, where I think the puck went between his legs and was going to the net and he just like spun around and scooped it off the line with a stick. And oh, it was like those those are always sick. I yeah, love a diving really stick cool. save like the Cluche one from way back when and I guess Longo yeah. had one like that too. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. But I feel so, like you don't you don't see the um the diving save. Yeah, as much. well I think goalies are better positionally now, so it, Yeah. It, like it makes it less exciting to watch. Like when I was a kid, I loved goalies. I was like a goalie guy. And yeah. now I hear people talk about goalie guys and it's about like position and length and getting underneath you. It's just like way more technical and less yeah. scrambly, which I, I assume is better for stopping goals, but it makes me less interested in them. I guess I'm not yeah. like a, a goalie fan anymore. Like yeah. I was back when like Wa and Hashik were, were playing. Yeah. But, uh, man, I guess we should do some Canuck stuff, right? We can do some Canuck stuff. There's a little bit of Canucks news. Yeah. Well, technically some Canucks news. What's your vibe on the team right now? How are you feeling going into next season? Cause like after free agency, I was like, okay, that they, they didn't fuck up. They like did conservative plays, but yeah. they're still not positioned like a conservative team. Like they still made that heroic deal. They still, this is the first year of JT Miller's seven year, $8 million per contract. Yeah. Like this is when they kind of have to start winning. I will say, I think my vibes are like, again, still like a three and a half out of five or whatever, where like, I'm very excited next year to see Hughes play with potentially an actual good defensive partner. Mm -hmm. No, no, no disrespect to Luke Shen, but, um, this, if he's playing with Ian Cole, I mean, that is somewhat of an upgrade, I would say. Oh yeah. I think um, pretty undoubtedly. And, and so I'm excited for uh, uh, Hughes next year. I'm very excited for Patterson. I think he's going to go off even more next year. Demko being back is going to be nice potentially. Uh, Ronick, I'm excited to watch as well. I do sort of want to. I'm monitor, I'm closely monitoring the JT Miller situation also. Um, so I'm tentatively excited for next season. I think the reason I'm excited is because if they make the playoffs, that rocks. Yeah, and it's so going to be fun. fun. And if they don't, it's going to be so funny also. Yeah, that's true. People are going to be so mad. I think they're going to maybe actually make some big changes and be forced to make some big changes. And I, I could see Aquilini just like losing his mind and firing everyone. Um, that's the thing as well as I, I've, I've seen, you still see people on Twitter being like, Oh, they, they gotta be rebuilding now. They gotta tear down and rebuild. And it's just like, you need to get it through your head. Like, look, I would, I would like that, but you gotta get through your head. It's just like not, we missed the bus. Right? The bus is late. Like there's, there's legitimately zero chance of that happening. So at this point, we have, you know, two of the best players in franchise history in Hughes and Pedersen. And you have a very good goalie in Demko. You kind of have to go for it. And unfortunately, going for it is just making the playoffs. It's a low bar. Mm -hmm. And they've kind of shot themselves in the foot. And it sucks, but it is what it is. 
to quote the legendary Todd Bertuzzi uh, <laughs> and Jared McCann also. Um, but I, I just, you know, it is what it is. And we're basically the next, I would say two or three years, if they don't make the playoffs regularly, they're going to be forced to blow it up anyway. Yeah. So it's going to happen at some point. Either they're going to actually get over the hump and be a good team, which that's great. That's what we want. Mm -hmm. Right. And it could happen or they're going to continue fucking up. Hughes is going to demand a trade. Pedersen's not going to sign a long-term deal and they're going to actually just be forced to rebuild completely. Yeah. Which will also be sort of exciting too, you know? Yeah. Um, so but either way. If, if, if they do do that and they don't try and Winnipeg Jets, Calgary Flames themselves out of it, which would be which, which so they fucking will. infuriating. Yeah, which but I think like, you're right. They probably will. It's kind of like the same story as last year with the Canucks, right? Like you really like their top end talent. Yes. Like, but, but you also think how can they – like, can you see Hughes playing better than he did last season? Like, it's really I hard to put up a better season. I could than see that. him. I could see him scoring more goals. Maybe that would be. That yeah, that would be something. That I would, would be like the only thing he comes had, in with like a killer shot goals somehow. Last year. Yeah, yeah. still seventy plus points. And same thing, Pedersen. Like, maybe you see him improve a bit on the penalty kill, even, and still put up a hundred plus points. But yeah. like. Those guys he'll probably are, be, he'll be playing on the second unit probably, which is nice. So yeah, you would hope. But like, yeah, those guys are great, but they were great before. Um, and so it's kind of like what's happening around them. And then you like just like with last season, you're like, well, I hope they can continue this results under the new coach, right? Which yeah. I, I we'll see. Like, I think I'm having talked from the get... start of the season, I think will be. I, cause you're kind of the same as me. We've both sort of grown to like talk it. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I liked I do, him when he was hired. I just didn't like how they just, handled Bruce Boudreaux. For sure. For sure. So I, I think starting the season, not under this like cloud will help. But again, and when we brought this up so many times before, the most important thing for the Canucks making the playoffs this year is they have to, they have to get off to a good start because yeah. if they're, if they're behind they're I guarantee they're just not making them. This is not a team built to come back from adversity. Well, so they have to start hot and they have a really, really tough schedule to start. So uh, another know. thing too, is like they love this like top end talent that we like, right? Like Kuzmenko scored 39 goals. You got Philip Ronick coming in like Kuzmenko is the most obvious regression candidate of all time. So sure. I, you definitely, I but wouldn't I think bank also on the, the him way improving he, from last year. No, if anything, I, I think bet the, on him regressing, right? I think the way he plays though, and I've seen I've seen people point this out is he he plays such an interesting style where, yeah, he has a very high shooting percentage. And I think there is a chance that will regress. But I, mm -hmm. I still think he'll probably score 30 plus goals. Next yeah, year that's what I was going to ask. So like plus minus, like let's say set it at the over under at like 30.5. Would you take the over think, or the under? I would, I would take the over, I think, because he plays in such a way. Where like he's just going to be like a power play merchant, right? Like and even, he's playing with Pedersen, and he's playing with Pedersen. They have such good chemistry, probably with Mikheyev as well on that line. And I just think he he's so smart and so crafty at just getting to the net and just just tapping it in, right? Yeah, like that's a skill, and he's so good at it. And those are always going to be super high percentage shots, right? So I can't I can't see his sh shooting percentage dropping like a ton just because of the way he plays. Yeah, you know? I would guess like if I was taking the over, I would think it's like thirty one or thirty two goals. I think that's fair. Yeah, if, I don't if, think he's getting forty. I mean, that would be awesome. If yeah, he, like if he does. The, but... if, if the over under was set at like thirty four and a half, I would take yeah. the under. 
Yeah, and I would take 100 points. Uh, I would take the over on 100 points for Patterson. Oh, absolutely. I think he, he's going to have a huge year. And then Hughes, I think he'll get more than 10 goals this year. I think he's going to start like activating to the play a bit more. And like just, just having a deeper defense means they're not going to have to fucking ride him 30 minutes a game. Yeah, too, like, also the thing with Hughes is he like finds the thing that he wasn't as great at last year, and it seems to be yes. the only thing he practices this summer. So yeah. I wouldn't be he surprised. Was, he was good defensively last yeah, year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, you, if it's like he's just been taking slap shots while watching old Al McKinnis tape or whatever, and then yeah. comes back with like an improved shot somehow. The thing, the thing with Hughes is like it really is such a good example of East Coast bias, where oh yeah, where where fans of Eastern Canadian teams or Eastern NHL teams only really saw him during the COVID season with the Canadian division, mm-hmm. where he didn't play well, no. like he was really bad defensively, and so they're like, oh, he's still really bad defensively, and he was like legitimately, I would say, solid defensively last year, as well as being, a, you know, a top three to five offensive defenseman in the league. So he's. He's the best defenseman the Canucks have ever had, like by a long shot. Oh um, yeah, which I, I know is absolutely no bar, doubt about that. Where was he? At, I think he was like seventh in Norris voting. Yeah, ninth. Which is like in Norris voting. Which is yeah. I mean, he should have been higher than that. Yeah. I think next year, I think he'll he'll do even better in fuck? Norris voting. I think he'll I think he'll be top five in Norris voting next year. I think Pedersen is gonna get a Selkie nomination next year. I mean, I. I'm it's, trying to be so, more positive about I'm, the team. I'm looking but, at this list of Norris voting. Hampus Lindholm got fourth, and he had he had a big year. Yeah, I know he had a really big good. year. And Dougie yeah. Hamilton got six, but I wouldn't rate either of those above Quinn Hughes. Even Josh no, Morrissey, like he started off really strong, and there's all the really well the, the like yeah, Josh Morrissey conversations. But like, yeah, they have Darlene at eight, Hughes at nine, and he's going in at seven. I'd have all those guys above the like Lindholm, Morrissey, and Hamilton that were like four, five, six. Yeah, I think I think Hughes will get more recognition next year, hopefully, um, especially if the Canucks are actually somewhat decent. But like when the Canucks are bad, like, look, I don't expect fans of other teams to watch the Canucks when they're bad mm-hmm. because I don't want to do that. And I'm a fan of the team. Yeah. So and it's <laughs> like, your I job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, oh. Another thing, too, is like with with voting for the major awards, you would the team has to do better, right? Like if the Canucks are a playoff team. Yes. Then if, if the Canucks are a playoff team, then I can see Pedersen getting like heart trophy, yeah. but like a little bit of buzz. I don't think he'll be, I don't think he'll be like top you, five necessarily. You know how he'd have to win the heart trophy is Quinn Hughes the, gets hurt and the Canucks made the playoffs. Yeah. Or, or Demko is hurt. It would again be or like something. the, the, like the Henrik city when he won MVP, when, when, yeah. when Daniel was hurt. It's same sort like you kind of need the narrative for the MVP. Yeah, because McDavid's obviously going to get like another 150 point season. So yeah, like, but it like, would, it would, if, if if he drops down to the, like only 120 points, that gives the room yeah. for like uh, and Pedersen gets like 110 and the Canucks make the playoffs. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just like when I, Matthews I, scored 60 or whatever. Right? Yeah, like if anyone on the Canucks is going to get MVP votes, it will be Pedersen. Like he's legitimately so just so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm I'm really I am excited to watch him play next and, and year. Speaking and like, with, about Demko getting hurt, right? That's another thing. Oh. Man's never played a full season before. I know, and they're going to be riding him hard. I would imagine, right? And oh yeah. It sounds like although the, the maybe they'll really get Silovs more. Maybe they'll it get does sound like they're time. high on Silovs, yeah. but like I I mean, look at the World Championships. Silovs is great. I definitely think he's yeah. the Canucks goalie of the future. But it's not like he's put up these unreal AHL numbers and has this like long history of like cooking down there. He's played yeah. what like 
70 professional games and I think his like AHL save percentage is like a 908 or something. Like it's fine, yeah. but it's not like yeah. good. And he looked good when he played in Vancouver. To last, but like the Canucks aren't going to go in and give him 35 games this year, I don't think. And no. so if, if Demko does get hurt again, like then what, right? It's, it's going to be a, a repeat of last year. Uh, I will say I heard Kevin Woodley talk yesterday and he switched like trainers and he switched okay. to the guy that trains Connor Hellebuck and like a couple of other NHL goalies. And okay. Hellebuck is like obviously the poster child for being like a 60 plus start workhorse that doesn't get hurt. And I Willie was saying like Demko feels a lot better than he felt before. And he's like yeah. taking care of his body better. So hopefully that means he doesn't get hurt as much. And there, he was theorizing that the injury from last year, right, where it was a really innocuous play, like he just – Went down and made that, or no, he got scored on off of yeah, like a semi a partial break something. and then tweak something that that yeah. could have been like he was playing the whole season hurt, which is like why he might have been dog shit to start. And yeah. then after properly rehabbing it and training better and doing whatever better stretches, whatever the fuck the new coaches game to do, that helped him improve for the later half of the season. Yeah. But so much of the Canucks' success is just predicated on these things that are everything has to break correctly, which yeah. doesn't instill me with a ton of confidence. That brings me down to like a 2.75. And same thing with like Hronik, right? Like he had a defensive outlying great season last year. And like, maybe he's learned to play defense better at age 25, 26, 26, which yeah. is completely possible. Or he just had a really, really good season of defensive results and the Red Wings sold high on him. So I, I, yeah, I well, but then given what the Red Wings have done since then, I'm I'm more confident in the Ronick trade that now. Too, yeah, you know? <laughs> I was. I, I am legitimately excited to watch thing. him. Like uh, pl- watching him play for a full season, I think will be quite nice. Yeah, um, like that's probably the thing that I'm most excited about going into next year is just having a regular like NHL having defense. a like what looks to be NHL defense. I don't think people understand, like non-Canucks fans understand, how fucking bad our defense has been for legitimately a decade now. Yeah. Like, basically, well, definitely since, like, Tanev left, but, like, it has been so bad for so long, and it's been the biggest problem on the team. Offense has never really been a problem. Before Quinn Hughes, man. Oh, my God. I think, what was it, like, I think Ben Hutton and... Derek Pouliot. Let me yeah. let me look up. I'm going to pull up Hockey DB here, and I'm going to give you guys an example of. So let's go to the 2017-18 Canucks season, and let's sort by position here, and let's look at their defense. Yeah, go by so, like games played. So we have uh, 82 games played. Michael Delzato. <laughs> 71 games played. Derek Pouliot. 70 games played. Alex Edler. Okay, that's okay. Good. Chris Tanev. 42 games played. Troy Stetcher, 68 games. Alex Biega, 44 games. Ben Hutton, 61 games. Good Branson, 52 games. And then you have Ashton Sautner at five and Philip Holm at one. Um, That's so ass. I am glad that Hutton got his name on the cup, by the way. Yeah, Hutton's cool. I've always liked Hutton. Um, I'm glad he's still technically an NHL defenseman. I always thought he was going to be a little bit better, but for like a fifth round pick, he's carved out a very good career. So. Um, but that was their defense for so long, like pre Hughes. And then even after Hughes, like, let's go to, uh, 2020, 21 here. Um, where I think they still maybe, yeah, they had Edler at that point, but you had only Levy, 23 Woo. games. 
Uh, Jordy Ben, 31 games. Travis Hamanick, 38 games. Nate Schmidt, who is a good defenseman, not, not for the Canucks, 54 games. Tyler Myers, 55. Quinn Hughes, 56. I mean, it was just, it's been so bad for so long. So just the fact that we'll have a little bit of stability back there. Like a top four defense of Quinn Hughes, Philip Hronick, Ian Cole, Carson Soucy. That's average. Yeah. Two, two above average if you, if you look at how fucking good Hughes is. Exactly. Right? Like, I think if you look at, let's look at the Pacific Division, right? Yeah. So I would say Quinn Hughes is the best defenseman in the Pacific. I don't think there's a ton of pushback on that. Yeah, I think you can maybe make a push for like uh, Evan Bouchard. Oh, um, hell nah. He's, I mean, he's, he's going to be really good. Yeah, no, like, like he's, he's good, but he's not Quinn Hughes good. No, no. But I I think he's like, man, he's like a number one defenseman. He's, he's very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, Let's let's look at their, let's look at their rosters here. Cause you have the Kings who have, the Kings have a very good defense, but like, yeah, Dowdy's not what he was when he was like Quinn Hughes's age. Also, it's a crime that we saw him when he was young and that talented play under fucking Daryl Sutter. Like remember how good he looked in like the Olympics when he was actually able to like go out there and play, but just being under Sutter's system, you just never got to see it regularly. Which I mean, maybe that's good because fuck the Kings in that era. But yeah, the Oilers you've got on on defense. Yeah, you have Evan Bouchard. Uh, I guess they don't have Tyson Berry anymore. Uh, I mean, Ekholm is quite good, but not not again. Not Quinn Hughes good, but having like Bouchard, Ekholm. Nurse. Obviously, Darnell Nurse is overpaid, but he's not like horrible. Yeah, like he's he's good. He's just not worth nine million dollars. But like top three defensemen of uh, your top three being Bouchard, Ekholm, and Nurse. That's very good. Yeah, and then you compare that to the Canucks. They're their top three defensemen. It's Hughes, Hronick, and probably Susie or Cole. Yeah, Ooh, so a bit of, pick uh, your poison, right? Like dr- I, drop off at three for sure. But like I think Hughes drop and off is two. really good. Like. I would take either Ekholm or um, Bouchard, whoever you rate at two. Oh, Bouchard over over Hronik for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. and I think Ekholm over Hronik as well, just like a more proven yeah. commodity. And then Nurse over whoever the fuck the Canucks third is. Like Seattle's defense really good. It's by committee, but like one for yeah. one, you're taking Hughes over Dunn every day. And then oh yeah. You got Adam Larson, Alexiak, Justin Schultz. Like they just have solid guys. Yeah, like, they have very good depth. Maybe you could argue that you'd like Heronic better than like Alexiak, but like yeah, I don't know. Uh, again, uh, the fucking goddamn Anaheim. flame. Well, fuck that. Not Anaheim. Oh, that the, is a joke. Yeah. But like the Flames, right? <laughs> like the number one. Who would you say, Hannafin or Anderson? Probably uh, Uyghur. Uyghur. Oh, okay. Who, yeah. Point, quite good. Point proven. I would take Hughes over either of those guys, but number sure. two, I'm taking Rasmus Anderson over yeah. Hronik or Hannafin, and then definitely over whoever the Canucks third guy is. Um, yeah. The damn. I think, I think uh, overall, like the Ducks, I mean, the Ducks, it's like uh, Cam Fowler, I guess. Yeah, Ducks are shit. San Jose's shit. Jamie Drysdale. Yeah, San Jose, I don't even, I mean, Carlson, obviously. I, I think. Who's probably not going to be on their team next year. Yeah. But. Which that's a weird thing too. It seems like there's so much that has to happen this off season, but we're recording this on the eighth of July, and yes. there's Debrinkat still hasn't been traded. Carlson still hasn't been traded. Like 
Shifley, Hellebuck still haven't been traded. None of the big Flames guys have been traded. There's still yeah. like a lot of uncertainty. And like, I wonder how, if that's just going to go into next year and they're just arbitration QO offers or just play out the last bit of the season because of the flat cap. I hope I mean, not. the Carlson I hope there's thing, like interesting stuff in the summer, but the Carlson thing seems to be like once that happens, like hopefully the Myers trade would happen too. Cause I know there was the rumor for it was Myers for LeBanc, but I yeah. wonder if it's like something else. Like it seems like Myers is going to be traded. There's also rumors potentially that they have already paid his bonus, which I don't know if that's possible yeah, or Rachel not. Rachel Dory was on Sakaris and Price. I think I saw yeah. that pull quote from. Uh, Let's find it. I just, I don't know how true that is necessarily, but if if they did pay it, obviously that shows they are trying to get rid yeah, of I him, mean, which is... I, it, credit to where credit's due if they did that, right? Like, yes. I, I would have, yeah. sh- have to say a uh, shout out to fucking Aquilini, if that is the case, because oh, yeah. damn, that'd be, that, that'd be a good way to improve the team. I will, I'm, Excited isn't necessarily the word, but I'm I'm interested to see how Myers does on third pairing minutes, assuming that's what he's he's given. Like he might be better there. I, he's, I, he's no, just like, like I think so if you, if you, slow, if you though, give him like right? 15 minutes a night, yeah. I think that's absolutely fine. Right. Yeah. It I would take that over like Kevin LeBlanc, who's probably underrated playing with San Jose, but also, we don't need uh, another winger on this team unless like something else is going to happen there. I know. Uh, it sounds like they're still trying to sign like uh, Pius Suter or like they're trying to bring someone else in. Yeah, from, well, you need to move money because you still so. have to re-sign Hoaglander. You're yeah. like right at where you're at with the cap now. Well, the, so the thing is, if Pearson is still on LTIR, which is possible because there was some pushback on yes. that. Yes. Then I think they have like four and a half million in cap space with Hoaglander to sign. So you could absolutely sign Hoaglander and Suter. Yeah. And st- and still have the, the room. It just depends on what's happening with Pearson. Yeah. Because uh, Pullman is clearly, Pullman is done, it seems. Yeah. Like. It seems like it. Like, I wonder how cutthroat you'd be as a team. Like, say Pearson does come back. Like, you could, I guess, bury him in the minors, right? Yeah. It wouldn't be like a nice thing to do. It's, what, it's something like the Vegas Golden Knights would do, which honestly, this one, the cup, be as cutthroat as you want. I don't care. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that it works for Vegas, right? Yeah. Like, as soon as, as soon as a player doesn't serve a purpose anymore, you get rid of them. Right? Yeah. Like so. look at that Riley Smith trade just so they could like keep Barbashev. Like yeah. th- he was the first guy handed the cup and they're like, no, you're fucking out of here. So the quote from Rachel Dory, uh, I think Tyler Myers is going to be dealt. I believe that bonus was paid this week based on the info that I have. If it hasn't, the Canucks can opt to pay it early so they can facilitate it facilitate a trade that is an option yeah. and the bonus is like five million dollars right and then he has like one million dollars of actual salary In salary i think so that's, yeah yeah hey, like hey thanks uh, thanks jim benning for that fucking poison pill oh, of a God. contract by the way <laughs> fuck me jesus christ <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah you bring up pious suitor and that's like something i wanted to talk about because the connect center depth even with signing teddy bluger like i'm interested to see teddy bluger play i think he'll help the penalty kill a lot He's not a third line center. No, he's, his, he's not. His most most third line minutes were with Pittsburgh, where he was playing with Brandon Tanev and um, Zach Ashton Reese, which was like a very much checking line. There's not really yeah. an like, offensive upside there, and I think that's what the Canucks are going to have to like rely on is getting more bottom six scoring, right? 
And so I can see a world where he's playing with like a Hoagland or Garland or then no, that's probably too small, but a maybe Garland and Anthony Beauvillier or something. Right. Or Phil G. Giuseppe. Yeah. Like, He's going to be playing with more offensive players. I guess not with Giuseppe if he's down there, but whatever, right? Like, can he help drive offense on a line like that? And then if not, like, who's? I think we're all penciling in Nils Amon. Um, I think so. I think but, he, I think he plays well under Tockett. I think I think Tockett likes. Yeah, him a lot. and like I like Nils Amon as well. Like when I've watched uh, Abbotsford Canucks games that he's played in, he had a lot of pop. I think he had some really smart two on ones last year. Like he did pick up his yeah. point production to end the season, and he's young, right? So it's exciting. But I don't think yeah. we should sleep on Sheldon Dries. Man scored like ten goals last year. Had a couple of fights. He's like, just so like. I mean, I, I do, I like Dries. I just don't know how he is at center. Yeah. You know I mean? like yeah. I just, like having him on the wing, I think would actually be really good as someone that could slot in there as well. If you, yeah. if you need it. And I think of like, okay, imagine God forbid Elias Patterson gets hurt or like JT Miller. Yeah. Who's playing second line C? It's Sheldon Dries. It has to be right. He's the only one it would, with like the, he's, he's an offensive, the offensive like ability, right? Which is yeah. like talking about our vibe check for next year. Just one yeah. little puck to the face or going into the boards wrong. You're yeah. looking at a center depth of like, God, let's say it's Petter. Well, Pedersen, you're fucked. But like, <sighs> if Pedersen's out, yeah. Even if it's JT Miller, right? You have like Pedersen, number one center, great. And then it's Dries, Bluger, and Nils Amon. Like, that is. That's, that's not, not that's ideal. not good. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> so like adding someone like a Pia Suter, I think would be ideal. Um, yeah. And then I think the other thing is like looking long term, right? Like Teddy Bluger was only on a one year contract. And I don't know. Yeah. It, maybe that's the Canucks being conservative about it. Maybe it's him like wanting to prove himself. He'll have an elevated role and can try and get more money in follow up years. I think it's honestly. It's honestly him and Cole. It's just, it's the Canucks actually looking into the future and being like, oh yeah, we're going to have cap problems with the OEL stuff and we need to resign Pedersen and we need cap space. Mm-hmm. And for once they are legitimately thinking in the, into the future, even if it's just a couple of years, yeah. which is so refreshing. Well, the, the Canucks are going to have like third line center problems next year as well. And they have a yes. bunch of cap space opening up, but they only have like nine players signed or something like that. I don't have cap friendly in front of me. I guess it's the idea is lot. maybe like Linus Carlson will come up. Maybe he's a winger like though, fourth. isn't he? Is he is he wing? I I thought he played at center a little bit, but I, maybe they. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, they don't really have much in the well, way of center Rossi, prospects. Right? Like you hope that he oh, has. Yes. Yeah. You know, he produces at like point eight points per game in the. Uh, I mean, he could make the, the team AHL. out of camp. You yeah, know, crazier maybe. things have happened. So. I, I kind of hope that he doesn't. I hope they don't like Adam Goddedham and uh, yeah, center slash right wing. But I think he mainly played on the wing in, in Abbotsford for Linus Carlson. But like, yeah, you hope that he cooks and is like super ready to come up, even if he does have an yeah. amazing camp, because you have, I think, enough depth to like ice a team right now. But let's yeah. give another like what the bottom six can do for the Canucks is going to be another. Big story yeah. headed into next year. Oh yeah. Uh, what was? Let me pull up my notes here. Oh yeah, Elaine Vino retiring. Yeah. Canucks legend. Canucks legend, the winningest coach of all time in Canucks history. And I, I saw some debate online about like, 
or I think there's even like polls from different podcasts or whatever saying like, who's the best coach in, in Canucks history? Where do you fall on this? I mean, I was kind of younger for Pat Quinn's. I don't remember that as much. I know he's mm-hmm. like a legend, obviously. So I would say Vino. Yes. Yeah, um, he's the one that I, I watched the most, right? Especially when yeah. I was like able to make opinions. But if you're saying Quinn over Vino, like that's completely reasonable too. It's for I, me, it's like a one A one B thing with Crawford third. Yeah, I would say like Pat Quinn because he most of his stuff came from being like a general manager. I have the the hockey reference pulled up right now. He coached 280 games, won 141 yeah. points percentage was like 5.5 or sorry 0.554. Yeah, so just over 500. Elaine Vino. He coached 540 games, won 313, and had 683 points and a winning percentage of like 632. Yeah, I think I think that's I think the Quinn stuff is a lot of like nostalgia probably as well. That's part of it. I'm here for like Quinn is a more important figure in Canucks history. I think that's definitely fair, and I might even agree with it. But I think when you just look at like straight up coaching, it's AV all day. The other like one who didn't coach a ton of games was Roger Nielsen. Yes. He only like coached 133. He had like a sub 500 winning percentage. Obviously a big figure in Canucks history. A big yeah. figure and like a big figure in hockey as well with like what he did with video review uh, yeah. and just like overall cool guy. But man didn't win 300 games. Um, if you're actually going and by the, wins, yeah. there's Elaine Vigneault, 313. Mark yeah. Crawford next up at 246. Uh, yeah, he coached yeah, like um, 529 games for the Canucks still for seven he was years. A bit, he was a good coach for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have I Harry Neal, who coached the team from 79 to 85. And yeah. uh, Roger Nielsen came at like he did two years in the interim. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was 78 like an to 82, coach and then, then 84. Then he stopped again. Then 84 to 85. Yeah. Because Bill LaForge came in and went four and 14. God. Oh, man. Canucks history. And then do you have the list pulled up right now? I do. I'm on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. This is the crazy thing for any listeners that don't know. The fifth most winningest Canucks of oh, coach no. in all time. Is it Travis Green? It's Travis Green. And then after that. Is Willie Desjardins. 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 Yeah. Well, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, and then Bob McCammon, I think, after yeah, that. Yeah, Bob it McCann, looks like. Phil Maloney, Tom Watts. Then- oh, no, it's it's, it's Harry Neal. Uh Actually, Harry Neal, I think, is a. He's third. Yeah, I, I said is he, that. He's yeah. third. Oh, you did. Okay, yeah, because I'm looking at he has 106 wins in his first go through, then 15. Then yeah, 21. he had one more yeah. win all time than Pat Quinn. In uh, in granted, in like 127 more games. So yeah, that kind of says how good the Cucks were in the uh, early 80s. But that's fucking wild to me that like I we think about how shitty the last decade was, right? Yeah. And uh, <sighs> Travis Green is the the fifth most winningest coach in Canucks history. Which I guess just because he was there for five seasons, like five I, seasons, one hundred and thirty three wins. By um, the way, if the Canucks if the Canucks make the playoffs next year, I bet you Rick Tockett wins the Jack Adams. Oh yeah, I could see that. He he's because he's a guy that like hockey guys love. I'm not who votes for the Jack Adams actually. Is it? Uh, it's selected by a poll of the Broadcasters Association. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if I think if the Canucks scrape into the playoffs next year, Rick Tockett wins the Jack Adams. It's it's also crazy searching by points percentage because by points percentage, Elaine Vigneault is still number one at six thirty two. Yeah, you're the second most winningest Canucks by points percentage. Rick Tockett, six eleven. Christ, 
Oh my god. So I mean, yeah, fuck if they good keep, for him. If they keep yeah. playing with that pace under uh, Taka, they're going to be definitely a playoff team. Uh, yeah. Then Mark Crawford and Pat Quinn, who actually have the exact same win percentage at five yeah. five four. Then, yeah. then Bruce Boudreaux is fifth all time from win percentage. Oh my god! Got fired man. after a, a year. 103 games played. Yeah, a fan of. God damn it! But he was 500 with the team. 549. Then six is uh, John Tortorella. Remember him? He played one oh. season, 36 wins, 506. And those Good are the Lord. only Canucks coaches that have been over 500. Uh, <laughs> really, Desjardins is just under 498. Yeah. Uh, Rick Lee, <laughs> who coached two years in the 90s, don't think I've ever heard his name uh, before. Rick Lee, yeah. Tom Rennie, Bob McCann, yeah, Travis Tom Green Watt. is ninth. Mike Keen down at 14th. <sighs> Oh my! Yeah, he was only he was two seasons or one and a half seasons, I guess, because he did 108 games. Um, man, I just, I, I, re- I mean, I know this is the fucking name of the show. Yeah. But really, the, <laughs> the more I look, every the more I learn about this team, the more I hate them. Yeah. Like, it's just it's like we we really like we're bored at a time to like see the like best era of the Canucks with yeah, uh, the Crawford, Nazlera, era, and then oh the, yeah. The, obviously, the Lanvino Sedin and, and then era, we saw the, and, and then we saw the worst. Like I, I think there's no well, argument. Well, not even like now. if you look at the wins in the '70s. Well, but but in terms of like there being no excuse, like the 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 reason the reasoning I have for the Benning era being the absolute worst is because in in an era in an age where like you should know better and teams should be smarter, there's no yeah. excuse. You like, got to see something 80s, that was great get like pounded into yeah. fucking dust. The seventies and eighties, like there were te- there were dynasties there, and there were just like teams run by total morons, and that's just how it was, right? And in in the two thousands and two thousand tens, like there's no like there's no excuse for being that bad for that long, mm-hmm. especially being that bad by accident. They weren't trying to be that bad. They're trying right? to be so, good. So I think for, the Benning era is the worst era in Canucks history because. There's no excuse for it, right? Mm-hmm. There's no excuse to be that stupid and that poorly run and that bad. Um, I know, like win percentage wise, it's not the worst, but given Morally. all the all <laughs> all the context, it's it's so much worse. Definitely, given the context, I think. Oh, I know we're like you. You got to go do your stream, so we're running a bit low yeah. on time here. But I did want to quickly bring up Dev Camp. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, both of us weren't there, but no. I've listened to shows and read articles from people who were. It seems kind of interesting. I mean, it's like a dev camp, right? So how much can you really glean from it? I know. I don't but, think... Uh, Pe- Pedersen seems quite good. Yeah, that was kind of the consensus is that DPD was the best defenseman there. Seems most NHL-ready. Like, he's playing in uh, Obero or Malmo this year? Anyway, he's playing in Sweden so. again. Yeah. There's a good chance that he could be, like, the top defenseman for Sweden in the World Junior. So that'll be exciting to watch. He's going yeah. to play with Lokaramaki, which I think is cool. Um, yeah. So that's awesome to hear. It sounds like Will Lander, the consensus was you can see why he got picked as high as he did because of the tools, yeah. but yeah. he still needs to work on his puck skills, which uh, you juxtapose that to the, the clips of Benson coming out of the Sabres development camp. It's like, ah, oh, well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I still not don't hate too much, pick, but. Yeah, I'm not putting too much weight into that. Like I've yeah. seen people quote tweeting that and being like, "Oh my god, the Canucks fucked up so bad." And it's like, I, I wouldn't I go just that don't. far yet. I mean, that's what I was it's saying a, in the draft a week and a half ago. But yeah. it's it's a three on three, you know, non contact yeah. scrimmage, and and, and then, I know people are people are using that as just an additional piece of evidence. But at the same time, I I just they did I th- play I think there's, 
they did play but, that actual uh, game. And I guess that's another thing about DPD is he was like yeah. the most competitive. Like he, if there's a bad call in the scrimmage, he was like standing up and banging his stick on the boards and stuff, which yeah. is a like, characteristic that I like. With, with someone like Benson, I think he's going to be a good NHLer, but I, I see people they bring up the Ulevi comparisons, right? For the for the Canucks mm-hmm. fucking up that pick, and they, they they compare him to Mitch Marner. I'm sorry if he was going to be if if he's Mitch Marner, good. He's not falling that far in the draft. Like it's just as simple as that. Like yeah. I think there's there's small wingers. I love. They're a lot of fun, but they they do not always hit right. Right. And I, and I think Benson will be an NHL player. I mm-hmm. think he'll be good. But I I think there is a reason he fell that far, you know? Um, the other person that apparently really stood out was Aiden Celebrini, who the Canucks took in the seventh wow. round, which I'm okay. quite excited about. Let me – I have Faber's article up here so I can remember everyone's names. There's another guy too, Christian Fitzgerald, who's like a 21-year-old undrafted center playing in the NCAA. And I, he, okay. he played with – oh, fuck. I think he was on Hirose's team or something. There's like some Canucks connections there and he's from Coquitlam and I guess he like yeah. dominated on the three on three drill. He I like saw this clip of his shift. He was very good and he was good in the game as well. So that's a name to like look out for at the end of this season. Yeah. Um, hopefully the Canucks build up a good enough relationship. Um, Aiden Celebrini, this is from Chris Faber. In drills, he's a leader. And during scrimmage, he made all the simple plays and made absolutely zero mistakes. Nice little depth add for the Canucks prospect pipeline. And as a right shot defenseman, that's exciting news. Delight to talk to. And he's a great worth ethic instilled in him, lightly from his family. So, like, I kind of like that pick as uh, maybe he can, like, develop with the team. And, yeah. <laughs> and many years from now, lure Macklin here. But by all reports, he did very well, like, good with the puck. Like, he had a couple of, like, gaffes but they weren't like keep your head up gaffes they were just yeah you know being an 18 year old gaffes type of thing yeah so excited Who's for that, that russian the russian defenseman from the ohl oh yeah everyone's saying okay that he too. could be like the ohl's best defenseman next year um yeah kirill kudrytsev yeah um seems like a, a a nice guy to have in our back pocket and so. and we'll probably see him at young stars it like reading all this dev yeah. camp stuff i'm like so pumped to go to penticton now oh yeah yeah, I'm I'm really excited. It's going to be really fun. Uh, okay, let's wrap up there because you got to go. But yeah. before we leave, we did talk about this on the Patreon, which patreon.com slash I hate this team. It's the summer. We're not going to be cowards like some other fucking hockey podcasts <laughs> that just stop for two months. We're going to be here, but we're just not going to be as consistent with the two episodes a week. It'll probably be two episodes every 10 or so days. We're going to be doing more yes. video content on Patreon with maybe some less hockey oriented friends. Um, but we're still here. God damn it. Thank, thank you for listening. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Troubles and doubts Giving me everything Inside and out Love strings So real in the dawn I think of tender things What we're working on Slow change May pull us apart When the lights get Into your heart, baby 